Have you ever met someone that reminded you so much of yourself because they seem to have gone through the same exact experiences that you went through? Well, that's what happened to me when I met Ogaga Jensen. Ogaga Jensen is a graduate of my Build and Launch program. And it was amazing to meet her because she had a young baby, less than one year old, and she had to move across the world <laughs> to, uh, you know, when she got married, she had to relocate to be with her husband and to start her family. You know, it seemed very much like my story. She had to leave her family in the UK to go and start life with her husband in Canada. And then together they had their first son. And here she was in Build and Launch, blazing through the program, creating results. And by the end of the program, she had launched her online business, set up her personal brand website. And between that time and now, she has been able to help dozens of people to pass their PMP exam at the first attempt. She's also generated a lot of income in her business and surpassed her income goals. So I thought, you know what, Ogaga, let's sit with you to find out how did you do all these things, especially while nursing a baby, taking care of your child alone in a place where you didn't know anybody. How did you do it? So this conversation between Ogaga and I will show you how to finish exactly what you start while juggling multiple responsibilities, how to go through all the online courses that you have bought, especially for people who have bought multiple online courses and don't seem to be able to finish anyone. And, you know, the strategies for dividing your time in such a way that things actually become doable and possible. I cannot wait for you to dive into this episode. So let's go already. <laughs> Welcome to She Shows Up Podcast, giving you the tools and strategies you need to create, lead, sell, and stand out online. It's time to show up. And here's your host, Tolu Michaels. Welcome back to another episode of She Shows Up Podcast. Today, we have on this show a very, very interesting guest, and I've been waiting for this interview. We have with us Ogaga Johnson. Hi, Ogaga. Hi, Tolu. Hi. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk with you. But before we dive in, could you please introduce yourself the way that you like to be introduced? I'm so excited to be here today as well. And my name is Gaga Johnson, like you've mentioned. I am a PMP coach. I coach young professionals to study, to pass their PMP exam. And I use my proven study framework as well as my time management and productivity expertise. Sounds nice. <laughs> I can't wait to dig into all of that. Sounds really interesting. I mean, I am no project management expert. I don't know anything about PMP. So it would be really nice to hear you, you know, talk about it and what it has done for you and for your clients. But I need to ask you, though, when you were growing up, you know, the adults work, what kind of conversations did you have about careers in your childhood? What did work mean in your family? So for my family, work meant finish school, graduate, and get a job, basically. <laughs> so I, my mom was my mom was full time employed. My dad as well. However, my dad had a side business, so he had several side businesses alongside his full time job. So the conversations around work was: you need to study a career, ensure it's a career that you know has future prospects, so that you can get a job easily and make money from it. So that was really the whole conversation. I remember. I remember I wanted to study law. <laughs> so funny. And my dad was like, come on, no future ambition in law at that time, right? Do engineering. You know, you, the mentality of um, some African 
background and African parents at that time was more of do engineering, do medicine. Those are careers that have future. So yeah, so I ended up studying engineering basically. And I, I will say that it was a good option because um, it exposed me to be creative, to be very um, intellectual and to improve my problem solving skills. So yeah, it wasn't a bad, bad option at the end of the day. Hmm. So what kind of problems have you been solving since you became an engineer? Because when people say things like problem solving skills, I sometimes don't know what it means. Well, um, I guess when you talk about problem solving, so you talk about any challenge you have, being able to look at that challenge and create you know, different solutions to that problem and then work on implementing those solutions and then checking the solutions that they work. So for example, I wanted to write my PMP exam and I just moved to a new country, entirely new continent, didn't have any family member. I had to get my full-time job as well, right? Because I just moved and I left my very lucrative job and also had to make new friends. And guess what? I was also pregnant. So that was something I had to do. So despite so many activities competing for my time, I just had to sit down and say, okay, how can I solve this problem of not having enough time so that I can study for my PMP exam, pass it, and be able to use this certification to accelerate my career. Then I sat down, created a study framework for myself. I also looked at, you know, my different goals for that season, prioritized it, looked at different ways that I could optimize the daily task that I always do. So things I always do on a daily basis. I found ways to eliminate waste from the processes so that I can take, so that I can have at least one hour extra every single day, right? That I might have been wasting. So doing this process was one of the ways that I can say I solved the problem of not having enough time so that I can study and pass my PMP exam, which I did. That's that's an example of problem solving. Hmm. Wow. So are you always this methodical or it was just that you were so desperate to pass the PMP exam? I will say that I'm a critical thinker. So I think a lot and um, not just thinking because I just want to think more critical thinking when it comes to there is a problem that needs to be solved. So I always have this phrase that there is always a way, right? So if one way doesn't work, another way, there must be a way. I can remember while doing my master's in the UK, I'll always tell my friend when we want to do our um, assignments or, you know, reports and research. I'll tell him that, see, there is a way. I know right now it may seem like we don't understand how to do it, but there is a way to understand how to do it and to do it and pass. I actually finished the distinction in my master's. So I think that mentality of there is a way Think of a solution, practice it. If it doesn't work, find another solution because there will always be a solution for whatever problem that arises. Hmm, so good. So what you're saying is you're not passing all those exams because you're so brilliant because that's all I've deduced in this conversation so far. Like you're so brilliant <laughs> and methodical and you're an A++ student. But what you're saying is that's not why you're passing. You're passing because you're bent on figuring out the way, finding the patterns and using that to your advantage. Are you saying that this can work for anybody? 
It can. It's all about creating structures around your life, creating structures around the particular situation, right? That you're facing the circumstance. It's creating structure. That's the word I will use. So creating structure always helps when it comes to any situation or any problem you have in life. Look at that situation, create a structure, and then use that structure to basically simplify the process. And you see that you're actually saving a lot of time. So yeah, it can work for anyone. You just have to understand what the problem is, create a structure around it, and then follow the structure and the pattern that you have um, come up with. Hmm. It sounds so so simple, but and you know, I'm wondering, aren't there people who cannot pass? And you're the coach here. You're the one who has helped several people to pass exams. So did you not encounter somebody who, who said to you, look, I'm not naturally brilliant. I, I've not always been the A student. And was it as simple as create a structure and stick to your structure? Was that all they had to do? So the thing about any exam in particular, any exam, for example, the PMP exam is a very difficult exam. Because it's very application-based. So you can't say, oh, I'm just going to cram, you know, everything in the book <laughs> and then go to the exam and just pour out what I've crammed out. No, you can't do that. So for the exam, you have to understand what you're reading. And, I, and that's what I put emphasis on. You need to understand. So I break down the complex terminologies. I break down the complex PMP language into simple languages that my students can understand. And then one other thing that I see is the reason why people don't pass is also because of, you know, not enough time. People always say there's not enough time. And I completely understand. It's because you're just 24 hours. You can't have 25 hours or 26 hours in a day. You only have 24 hours. And there are so many things that seem important because I hear a lot of people say, oh, prioritize, prioritize, prioritize. But I have six things that I really know that they are important and they're urgent. So how am I going to prioritize these things? I help my students to know that, okay, the way I'm simplifying this whole complex PMP terminologies, right? Every season, you can simplify your daily schedule. You can simplify your monthly schedule. Ensure that every lots of things may seem important, but whatever you pick as important for any season, it could be for the next three months, for the next four months or five months, ensure that it's in line or it will make a difference to your long-term goals because there's no point spending time that is limited on activities that won't contribute to your long-term goal. So I say if one of your long-term goals is to pass your PMP exam, then you already know that's a priority for your day. So if you're saying I will spend 1.5 hours in the day to read, then Schedule that time in your calendar. Schedule it. Schedule that 1.5 hours to read. If you know you're going to sleep eight hours in a day, schedule that eight hours into your calendar as well. In that way, you're already taking 9.5 hours out of the 24 hours. And let's say you work another um, eight hours, right? So that's eight hours plus eight hours. That's already 16 hours, right? For sleep and work. And then 1.5 hours for reading, for example, right? That's already 19.5 hours. You're only left with, because it's 24 hours in a day, let's say about 4.5 hours, right? There is 
absolutely no need for that 4.5 hours, putting in five different tasks that will each take two hours each. You don't have up to 10 hours. You only have 4.5 hours. So sometimes we set very unrealistic expectations for our daily schedule. And by the time, let's say by evening, we look and say, oh, I've only done four out of 10, right? And that gets us very discouraged, right? And we see that we're not able to move as fast as we should have or could have because we're already discouraged that by almost the end of the day, we've only done four tasks out of our 10 tasks. So it's always important to schedule whatever you're doing on a calendar, for example, so that you can see if you're actually thinking you have 30 hours in that day rather than 24 hours. <laughs> I tell people that's so important because sometimes we forget that you don't have more than 24 hours in a day. So that time management um, practice, as well as simplifying complex PMP terms, is, those are two key things that really help my students to pass the PMP exam. Hmm, thanks for sharing that insight. Because, you know, at first when you said structure, I was, lo- I was like, do you mean that if I just put some structure, I could pass the PMP exams? Because I don't even know the definition of project management. <laughs> okay, that's a joke. But you get it. So I picked something when you were talking, which is this analogy of treating time like something that you can see that is finite. I mean, if I could count, you know, five $10 bills, you know, I would not pretend that there were 10 when there are only five in front of me. And I think I really appreciate that perspective that you bring to time management. One thing that fascinated me about you, and, and I have to say, Ogaga is one of my past students in my program, Build and Launch. And Ogaga is also a young mom, like she has a young family, she has a young son. And during the time, I noticed that you you stuck with the course. And this is not just about my course, right? One thing that all course creators and online educators agree on generally is that engagement rate, completion rate of students learning online is not, you know, as good as it could be. And so I started to look at my students and started to look for the patterns. And I was just wondering, why do some people do so well? Why do some people finish? Why, why don't some people finish? Uh, why, is it, why does it seem like some people are unable to finish? Now that you have started talking about time management, I was thinking maybe you could just give us some insights into this because especially in this season that we're in, literally everybody is an online student right now and we're doing some education online in some form. So Ogaga, how can we finish those courses that we are taking? And what are the factors that helped you particularly uh, I know about Build and Launch because I created and took that program. So how were you able to finish up, you know, meet the milestones, launch your business, build your website? I really want to hear all about that. So you go. <laughs> oh, that was, I, I can't forget that experience at all. Build and Launch was like, it was basically the launch of my project management business. So I I can't forget it. Basically, (laughs) it's an experience I wouldn't forget. It's a milestone, basically. And milestone, basically, and that's a project management term, by the way, milestone. When you reach a significant point in any goal, you call that a milestone. (laughs) Just thought to share that. It was interesting that we use that a lot and it's a project management term as well. I think for me, and let me just say that one reason why most people don't complete courses online, especially when it's online, you know, when you have to be accountable for going into the 
online school platform and actually completing it is either one thing is time management. That's so key. And that's because sometimes we set, I, I, I'm a believer in lots of people set unrealistic expectations for themselves. So for example, because of this situation where most people are studying online, someone may decide in one month they want to complete three courses, for example. And this is someone who still has their full-time job, mommy life, especially with no help around, right? No nanny, it's just you and your child, no opportunity to take the child to the daycare center. It's unrealistic because you only have 24 hours in a day. So one thing I feel that helped me was I looked at all the responsibilities I had during that season. I found out what's the priority, what's the the goals that I'm working on for this. For example, it was a three-month span that I had. I, I did. I normally have my goals in three months intervals. What's the goal I'm working on in this three months? Can I work on two goals? Do I have the time? Or can I work on three goals? Or can I just work on only one huge goal? What exactly can I work on for this three months out of my goals I have for the year? And I knew that one thing I could do was work on my business. At that point in time of the coaching, my son wasn't even up to six months then. And living in Canada, you don't really have help. It's just you and your husband. So it meant that I have to take care of my son full time, feed him, change his diapers. And you know, at that time, because as a boy, he he eats a lot. (laughs) And then you're breastfeeding because you're an exclusive. So That takes a lot of energy from you as well as a woman because um, you're basically nourishing yourself and nourishing the baby as well. So I had to realize, okay, how many goals can I work on at this, in this season of my life? There are different seasons of life. We need to identify it. And then in that season, know what's my capacity. So in that season, I decided, okay, taking care of my son is a huge goal for me. However, because I'm able to look through my daily task and simplify some of the processes I do daily, I was able to create about one hour to two hours every day spare time that I could use. So for example, when my son takes a nap, I scheduled that time as a time where I could 30 minutes at least walk on the course. While if he's still sleeping after that 30 minutes, I can just take a, you know, a break and just relax. Breaks are very essential so that your energy is sustained all through the day. Not that you are so pumped up in the morning and in the afternoon and the evening is just like diminishing returns, you know, your energy. So you need to take breaks regularly. So that's what I was doing. So I did short sprints, more like a sprint. So 30 minutes. Then when I had another break when he's sleeping, another 30 minutes. Then another 30 minutes just after he goes to bed before he wakes up again in the night for food. So that was one and a half hours every day to focus on the second goal that I had for that season, which was to build and launch my business. So that was it. I ensured that I looked at my day. When can I take those breaks? I scheduled it into my calendar. So once that 30 minutes, once my son goes to bed during the day or at night, I know that I have 30 minutes and I ensure that nothing else waste my time within that 30 minutes. 
Okay, so scheduling my time, taking breaks, so not overdoing it at a time, taking those breaks so that I'm refreshed. And another thing that really helped was that I planned my day the day before. So it meant that when it was time for those 30 minutes reading or studying time, I wasn't thinking of what am I going to do in this 30 minutes. I already had those activities. So during those 30 minutes, there were 30 minutes focused on doing the activities, not 10 minutes thinking of what I want to do and then 20 minutes doing the activity. So I fully utilized those time schedules that I had set aside for practicing the course content, reading and studying and actually applying the content in the course. So those were the key things that helped me to build and launch in 60 days. Hmm, Interesting. Would you say that these things are universal? So if if does it matter if the student is a bad student or if the teacher is a bad teacher? Does it matter or would, would these things always work? Or is that a place for, you know, like you said earlier, simplifying com- uh, concepts? You know, is that a place where the person you're working with also determines how far you're able to go? Because I know it sounds all, it sounds all nice and good. But probably by the second week, you know, you start to feel you start to feel the resistance really building up and just said, oh, can I go the distance? Can I finish this? So in, in, in those situations, what keeps you going? Is it just that you look at your calendar and you're like, oh, I have to keep going? Or, or is that something else? Is there a bigger motivator? Or is there, are there other subtle things, factors that have to do with either the teacher or the coach and then the students in this case? Absolutely. So having an accountability partner helps a lot. Now, there are different times when you do a course and it's purely online in terms of you don't really have um, access to the facilitator because this person is not really a coach, quote, you know, a coach where you can have those um, touch points with, right? In that situation, always having an accountability partner, someone that is able to say, oh, have you done your reading for this week? Someone that can check up on you and just follow through with you and, you know, ensure you're doing it. That's very important. In a course like Build and Launch, for example, or my PMP coaching, right? Those are coaching courses. So you have that touch point with your trainer or your coach that will say, okay, um, don't forget to do your, your model today. Don't forget to do your assignments. Those little nudges from the coach or the course creator is very important even if they're just emails automated emails that will go maybe every week to anybody that buys the course that's important extra little nudge and push that will help the students to know that someone is looking out for them someone is rooting for them and someone really is interested in their success that goes a long way because sometimes as individuals we get to that point where we're just tired and not because we we can't motivate ourselves or push ourselves but it's just that low point you know the bible says that one will chase a thousand two will chase ten thousand so that two is always help two people are better than one every time so having that second person who is the trainer or the coach that will push you those little nudges will actually help for example i get a lot of my students say that the reason why they can continue reading and push through and you know complete the weekly task because i give everyone weekly tasks is because they know that at the end of the week i'm gonna check up on them 
and find out what, what have you done? And they're like, oh, it could be so embarrassing to be able to, to say, oh, I've not done anything, that they'll look so unserious. So sometimes they actually push through that. Even if they don't finish their task, at least they have done a huge, like maybe 80% of it so that, you know, they don't look unserious. And I think that's one thing course creators can do. Uh, if you're a service business, that uh, you have courses, that that's something to do. Just be there to give a little push and nudge to the students. Right. And I believe every mother will understand this because... This is this is what we do with our kids, right? This is, this is what we do for the children. We, we say, hey, hey, I'm looking at you. You're going to finish that scribbling. <laughs> You're going to make sure you finish coloring that. I'm, I'm watching you. And sometimes when you stop watching, they'll even go, mommy, see, mommy. You know, they want to they make sure you're there. And, and nobody taught them to be that way. So we're all born with that. And we can tap, we can always tap into that when we begin to feel resistance, either from ourselves or, or from other people around us. So if you are the person learning, you can reach out for a partner, reach out for help, reach out for support, make a cry for help. Hey, coach, I need you. You know, or if you are the person teaching, you know, reach out and say, look, I see you. You can do this. I know you can do this because I've seen people do it before and I don't see why you shouldn't. So, you know, all of this, I'm just really glad that you talked about those things. I want to circle back to what you said about your the home that you came from, because I usually like to look for patterns when I'm having conversations with people. And I think that one thing that I have seen that is really strong for you is you you, you you don't seem to just wake up and say, oh, I can do anything. And you just bare-faced, bare-chested, just dip yourself into it and run into it. You seem to always have a mentality of fortifying yourself, getting backups, either accountability or structure, or you know, just some way of preparing yourself for the task that is ahead. Does this have anything to do with the fact that your parents were, you know, corporate people? They've always had multiple things going on. So my, I can remember my dad always, it's so funny. I don't think you see this word in the dictionary if you check for it. My dad always used to give us money and say that it's for in case of in case city, just in case something happens, right? Just have that extra backup, just that extra money there that can help you if you ever need it, like an emergency money just there, right? And that mentality, and my mom used to say, you use money to make money. <laughs> we had so many funny terms in my house, but the essence of everything was that just know that whatever happens, right, you should always have a backup just in case something falls through. It's more of just having a cushion so that if anything happens, you're not shocked by it. You have something else to fall back on. I think that I learned that from my dad and my mom a lot. My dad had, apart from his job, like I mentioned, he had side businesses, right? To be able to bring in that extra income, just in case anything happened to the day job, he had something else. The family had something else to fall back on. And my dad used to plan. He plans for the future. So <laughs> he could tell you that, oh, I'm doing this now, but it's not for today. He's doing it because of tomorrow. So just having that plan, that, you know, long sightedness that, oh, it's for tomorrow. What I'm doing now may not matter now, but it will matter in the future. So I'm doing it now. And I think that's where the whole structure comes from. Because structure is all about 
planning now so that later on when you don't have the zeal and the push, there's already that system behind that can push you to do what you need to do, that backup there. So that's where the whole and, and project management, for example, in project management, one key thing that I bring to any organization that I go to is that I create systems that can run for themselves. So at the end of the day, I may have a 7.5 work hour um, day, but I can only, I may be able to complete what someone else do for 7.5 hours in four hours because I've put a system and a structure that could work for me. So I learned that all. And I, do you know what? Thinking about it, I don't think it's something that I learned consciously. It was just very unconscious. You know, when you're in, you're in this environment where these things are happening, you, it just becomes like a second nature and a part of you that you don't even know you're picking up these traits. But now when I think about it, I see that, okay, they always had the backup plan. They always planned for the future. Oh, I know I want my child to go to the best university. So now, despite the fact that they're still in secondary school and don't go to university until five years time, I will start investing in stocks, for example, or I'll start investing in real estate so that when it's time to pay the university fees, I know that I just have to sell this, this and this and have the money. So I grew up in that kind of environment. So I think, yeah, thinking about it, I think that that really, it, it was not intentionally learned, but it was learned at the end of the day. <laughs> Hmm. Do you think that was very useful to you as you, uh, you know, moved across the world? <laughs> it's really moved across the world <laughs> from from Nigeria to the UK and now to Canada. And I think that made me very resilient. It made me very resilient, made me know that nothing is impossible. There is always a way around things. You just have to find out what law is an operation for this thing to work. What system you can put in place for this thing to work. Apply that law, that principle or that system and it will work for you. So it made me very resilient. So I, I don't give up easily. I try to find what are the workarounds. What are the other ways I can do this? Before I will say, okay, no, this, this is not for me. I will ensure that I've tried it out. Is it working? Is it not working? Well, I would have tried it out, found out what's the system, what's the principle, what's the law behind this to make it work, and then apply it. That environment really made me resilient. There's always a way. That's my favorite phrase. There's always a way. Because there's so many people that give excuses. Oh, I couldn't do this because of this, this, this. And you know what? Excuses are very cheap. I'm not saying be hard on yourself, but I'm saying that do it and don't give up. Try it out first. You know, sometimes people don't start because, oh, I don't know if it will work. Well, obviously, you can't know if it will work until you do it and then see that, oh, it's not working or it works. So, yeah, that really helped me and has helped me as I've moved across the world. I remember coming to Canada, they said, oh, you may not be able to start from where you um, stopped in the United Kingdom because I, I was quite um, progressing in my career. That you may have to start all over again. And I said, you know what? When I get there, I will cross that bridge. If I have to start all over again, then let's see. But I will first go and look for what's my level, where I should be. And I actually got my level. I didn't have to start from the beginning. And I'm in a city where it's an island, right? 
So people are like, oh my, you're going, first of all, you're moving to a new country. Second, you're going to <laughs> an isolated place. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but you know what? I moved regardless. And at the end of the day, I got a good job at the same level I should be at. And I've grown my career since I've moved here from a, from the level I started from to a higher level. So there's always a way, like you can do it. I love that. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate that you ended that on an encouraging tone because I know there are always, you know, people who want to say, oh no, but you don't understand. It wouldn't work for me or no, my situation is more complex. And of course, there are many intricacies because we are different people with different backgrounds and different environments. But I really like how you, you know, came back full circle to where you started, which is the fact that there is always a way. So Ogaga, you know, again, I call you an A student because just listen to your story, like it seems like you're doing well everywhere. You know, you've always passed, you've always done well at everything. <laughs> and which begs the question, how did you even learn to study this way? Because you know how they say people who have struggled or people who have been poor, they're the ones who end up being rich because they now know how to really, really work hard to get stuff. Or people who have failed are the ones who now succeed because they know how not to do it. So, I mean, if you've always been an A student, <laughs> and I don't know this for sure, you, you just you just come across the person. So if you've, if you've always been this way, how did you become this person? Have you just been deliberate and intentional from your mother's womb? Um, oh, I've always been stubborn. <laughs> I've always been stubborn. I am someone who I know what I want and I go for it. So I can remember in primary school, you can imagine how I remember this, right? So let me tell you the story. In primary school, I got my first, I, I went to a lot of primary schools for different reasons, but I finished up in the primary school my sister went to. Now, that primary school was a higher standard than my other schools, so in terms of education and teaching. And I remember I did mathematics one day, and my result came out in, for the year. And I saw a red pen. You know, when the report card that we read means you failed that course. And I failed maths. And I was like, hmm, what is in this mathematics that I'm even failing? And then that was... um maybe primary five. So I didn't do primary six. I went to junior secondary straight from primary five. And I remember in junior secondary to, to um, senior secondary school, um, that's high school, I told myself, do you know what? I'm going to teach myself maths. My dad was a big fan of after school lessons because he just wanted the best education for his children. But I said, you know, I'm not going to do, a, I'm not going to take up a maths lesson. I'm going to teach myself maths. So I took the general mathematics textbook and I taught myself from cover to cover that book. I read, I studied, because I just knew that I could, I could pass. I'm not a failure. I can pass. I studied it. And do you know that in my YEC, that was the only course I got A1 in. The rest, I got all Bs. So I passed everything. But that was the only course I got an A1 in, mathematics. And I also did further maths as well. I go for the tough courses just because I want to challenge myself. So I always like to challenge myself. 
I think that's that's one reason why you can say, oh, you're doing this, you're doing that, and you're excelling at it. It's because I'm just challenging myself. I'm stretching myself because I know that I'm more than this. So I'm not just reaching for the what's close by to me. No, I'm reaching, stretching my hands and reaching full out and just challenging myself to the highest height because I know that I can, I am capable. So from there, seeing the fact that I could study on my own mathematics, teach myself cover to cover and pass it an A1, the best grade. I said, do you know what? I am not a failure. I will pass every single exam that I sit for because I can do it. And it was that same mentality. Mindset is very key in anything. You know, whatever you think on, you become that thing. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So mindset is very key. You need to develop your mindset. If you tell yourself you're a failure, you will most likely become a failure. But if you tell yourself, I am a success, I will pass I am no failure. You are already conditioning your mind to be that thing. And I took that mentality into, I remember university, my second year. I didn't do so well. I was like, never again. And from third year to the fifth year, I passed all through. Although that was still not enough, I got a four point, so pained. I think 4.38 because I was like, oh. I was aiming for 4.5, exactly. And that's because I wasted my second year, but I saw where I made a mistake in. And then when I went for my master's, I said, I'm not wasting any time because any little time, especially in academics that you waste, any, any opportunity to have a good grade that you waste, it could pull down your entire good grades, all the other good, just one bad grade. So in master's, I said, I'm going to ensure that every single great opportunity, I do my best. And I finished the distinction. And then I went for my PMP exam. You didn't need to get, it's just a pass or fail, basically. So you don't need to get above targets, target, just pass or fail. But I read so hard when I said, no, I'm going to get the best in this exam. And I go on above targets in all domains in my PMP exam, all domains, not one, not two, not three, but the five domains in the exam. And that's because I just said, whatever you do is what doing well. So I have that mentality as well. So I guess building your mindset is key because I know that in terms of mindsets, I tell myself this, this is who you are. You can do it. You can stretch, you can go further, you know, and that has helped a lot, my mindset. Right, right, right. Something that I picked from from what you've said is the importance of challenging yourself. You know, I often say, show yourself, prove to your brain that you will not die from doing things. So when you challenge yourself, for example, the person who failed math, teaching herself math from cover to cover, then you tell yourself like, look, I can do this stuff. And so when even bigger things come, you're ready to take them on. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was so, so, so good. Thank you very, very much for sharing. So finally, what about people who do not have this mindset? How do they finish what they start? You know, so many people right now are just juggling, especially as adults, you know, we're just it's like you're thrown into a jungle. You wake up one day and then you have kids, you have a full-time job. <laughs> and then you 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 know, you're also trying to do other businesses on the side in this complex situations with all these multiple layers of responsibility. How can you finish what you start? Finishing what you start, hmm, that's a good question. You know, sometimes 
because of the complex situations and because life happens, you may say, I'll finish this goal in two months, I'll achieve it in two months. And then life happens, something happens, and you just see yourself not being able to finish it in two months. Then finish it in three months. Then finish it in four months. But don't stop. Little drops of water make a mighty ocean. So if you can't commit to spending as much time as you want on a task, so let's say you were meant to spend two hours, now you can only spend 30 minutes. Yes, spend 30 minutes continuously and you will see that you will eventually finish. But thing is, do not stop. Keep going. Keep pushing. Even if it's just, let me use an example of a course. Even if you were meant to do modules one and two every week, two modules every week, right? And you can only do half a module in a week. If you keep on doing half a module every week, you will eventually finish the entire module. Even if it takes you twice the number of time, you know, you had set out for it, but you would finish. So the way to finish is even if you need to reduce the effort you put into it, you should go ahead, but don't stop. Keep putting those little efforts. They will add up and it will eventually finish, but don't stop. Keep putting in those efforts, little, 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 and you'll get there eventually. Hmm. Thank you so much. That was so good. Don't stop. You can pause, you can add more time, you can change the plan, you can tweak, you know, the, the to-do list you have put down, but by all means, do not stop. Do not stop. Thank you so much, Agaga. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. It was a fabulous time with you. So do you have any final words for us? I will say that you can do it. Whatever is on your mind, you've been thinking of doing, you want to do, and you know that it will... It will make you a better person. It will help you to become all that you're meant to be. Start doing it. You know, just put in those little efforts. You can do it. I'm telling you now, you can do it. And if you feel like no one is rooting for you, I am rooting for you. You can do it. Just put in those um, efforts, no matter how little it is. Remember, little drops of water make a mighty ocean. You will eventually get there as long as you keep on moving <laughs> in the right direction, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. You eventually get there as long as you keep on moving. I love it. Ogaga, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you. Likewise, I've enjoyed this. Thank you. All right. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in to She Shields, a podcast for today. If you loved what you heard on this week's episode, it would mean the world to us if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and feedback. Spreading the word really is the best way to grow our podcast and to show up in even bigger ways. It's time to show up like only you can. Catch you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of She Shows Up Podcast. We have more inspiring episodes for you. And to access all the tools and strategies and links that we referred to in today's episode, head over to sheshowsuppodcast.com. Go there now and I'll see you online.